Welcome to the Cone Zone. We're the Cones, Grant Cone, Lowell Cone. As you can see, we both went to the barbershop yesterday, uh, got our hairs cut, so we're looking fantastic. I'm also back in the guest room because we're getting some renovations done to the to the house, so I'll be here for a couple of weeks. Dad, good. you look great. How are you? I'm fine. You know, it's this haircut's the shortest I've had since I was about 11 years old, but the thing is the hair grows back. The hair grows back, and hair you look good. It's a, it's a new look for you. Yeah. Lowell 2.0. <laughs> All right. All right. So today we're talking about Steph Curry and the 49ers. Um, and Killian wrote a very thought-provoking column, which we're going to get to later, sort of ranking the greatest Bay Area athletes. We're going to talk about that. But we want to go hardcore 49ers to start the show because that's what our viewership demands. And that's what we want to talk about. So let's start with the quarterback, the biggest Storyline, the biggest unknown. We don't really know what to expect, but I think each of us has concerns or questions. Dad, what is the number one question you have about Trey Lance? I'd like you to go first. Oh, I can go. I'd be happy. They have one, but I'd like you to go first. I'm very positive and optimistic about Trey Lance. He reminds me a lot of Andrew Luck. But as Andrew Luck is who I would compare him to. Very smart, very into the game, very physically gifted, can do everything. But Andrew Luck didn't last into his 30s. Andrew Luck got beaten into an obliv- in ob- into oblivion, and his career was cut short. And I'm worried about – I'm concerned – my question about Lance is his durability. Mm-hmm. Last year, he got hurt twice. He got hurt in the preseason. He broke his finger. Then in his first start, he injured his knee. He takes a lot of contact. He doesn't slide. He holds the ball a long time. And the Niners don't value pass protection outside of their left tackle position. So I'm my question is his durability. I like that. I hadn't expected you to say that. What do you think? Because, you know, the usual things we talk about is, Accuracy. you know, can he make all the throws? Uh, yeah. is, is he accurate? All that. I, I have one. Okay. Can he command the huddle? I like that. Um, and here's what I mean. I'm assuming he can do everything they want him to do. Right. But there's something about having command in the huddle to make the offense go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you set the tone. You're the boss. When you're mm-hmm. the quarterback, you're the boss. And again, Iggy, I've never met him, but he has such a sweet smile and he's uh, has such a lovely demeanor. Now, I don't know what he's like in the huddle. Right. But I know Montana was fierce. I know Steve Young was really, really bossy. So was Jeff Garcia. Yes. And yes, he was. Across the bay, Jim Plunkett, he, you know, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He really control that huddle i'm not saying that trey lance can't but i'm wondering what i want to say was what i want to add was from all accounts jimmy garoppolo is terrific at that i agree in fact that's one of the things he was really good at yeah when people would say what do you like about jimmy it would always say he really commands the huddle and it's like well he watched brady do it he he came from new england all the little nuances of being a professional he was great at not the nuances of playing the position at a high level but just being a pro. He was great at that stuff. Commanding the huddle. I totally agree with you. So do you think, again, I'm not saying that Trey Lance can't do it, but I'd like to see him do it. Do you think it's an unfair question mark? No, I think it's a great one because no one would bring it up. And it's like, if you're going to take over this person's job, part of it is is being the new voice in the uh, huddle. Can you pull it off? Do they take you seriously? They may like you in the locker room, but do they can you be the boss of that huddle? He's like the youngest player on the team. And a lot of the guys in that, in that huddle on offense are way older and are like lifelong friends with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Yes, yes. Yes. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Keith Von Horst, God love him, is gone now. But, you know, he was the left tackle, right? Might have been the right tackle. Right tackle. He was yes. the right tackle. Okay. He used to talk to me when he was playing, and he said, Joe was a riot in the huddle. He said one time, do you know this story? One time um, Bill signaled in a play, and Joe came to the huddle and said, you're not going to believe this shit. <laughs> We're not running this play. Yeah. And Joe called his own play. And uh, Keith loved it. Yeah. Years later, I told Bill Walsh that story. And you know, Iggy, he laughed his ass off. That's great. Yeah. That's that great. Was, Joe really came in that hole. He says, this play, you're not going to believe this shit. <laughs> That's funny. And That's like, he had the reputation of keeping things very light and confident in the huddle, right? Yeah. yeah. The Jack Candy story is famous. Yeah, the John Candy, yeah. Right, John. In the Super Bowl, he'd say, look, and I think it was Harris Barton. Could, how could anybody be that detached? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see about Trey Lance. Is there going to come a moment where he needs to, like, yell at someone in the in the huddle and they're going to be like, who do you think you are, 22-year-old? Well, when I told you one time Steve came into a game, Joe had to come out and – um Steve took over. This is what we're going to do. And this and this. And some of the people in the huddle, because they told me, were pissed. Yeah. Who the hell did he think he was to talk to us like that? And I spoke to Fred Von Oppen afterward. And I told him the story. And he said, you know, Lowell, uh, Joe had worked years to earn the, the, the respect in the huddle. And Steve could not expect to come in and have it granted to him. Right, right. And I think another thing that you see from a lot of great quarterbacks is yelling a lot on the field. Tom Brady yells a lot at his own teammates on the field. Jimmy Garoppolo, if Dante Pettis dropped a pass, Jimmy Garoppolo would yell. Can Trey do that? I mean, what if, what if George Kittle runs the wrong route? Is Does Trey Lance have license to go and be like, hey, what was that? Or is George Kittle going to be like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I guess Lance might have to earn, like, earn those stripes before he can do that. Or is he going to be like, the quiet quarterback who doesn't talk much and just kind of, I don't know. It'll be interesting early on. Hey, George, next time, do you think maybe when that play, <laughs> or no, that was my fault, George, that was my fault. I got to, I got to anticipate the wrong route that you're going to run. I don't know. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers yells a lot too. Oh yeah. I mean, it's Steve Young did. I just, is Lance allowed to, I'm, yeah. Or does he feel comfortable? Does he feel confident doing that? Yeah. I've seen that so before. I guess what I'm saying, and you're agreeing, there's a lot more to playing the quarterback than making all the throws. Absolutely. And, and being like the it. quarterback. Yep. I, your answer was more interesting than mine, but I do want to come back to the durability thing. They're going to help him by running the ball a lot, but he's a big part of the running game. And the fact that he hasn't had that much game experience makes me wonder if he really knows how to protect himself in a game. Because I feel like when, when Kaepernick was the quarterback, you and I used to always kind of expect, like, man, he's really good, but is he going to get hurt playing this way? Well, he slide. He would slide. He would run out of bounds. This guy doesn't slide. This guy looks for contact and then lowers his shoulder. It's a little dis- – because he could do that in Division II football. This is the NFL, and he didn't – I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little concerned. See, I, can you make it through a full season, or are you going to be a guy who's, like, dinged up a lot? Shoulder, knee, that kind of thing. I love it. And in addition yeah. – when the when they ask him to drop back to pass, and they're going to sometimes ask him to do that, if the offensive line doesn't hold, what happens to him? Right. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I do think better things will happen to him than what happened to Jimmy. But 
I don't know. If he's running around a lot, how long can he do that before? We'll see. We shall see. All right, let's talk. Let's switch it up. The number one thing going for the 49ers this year. Okay, I'll take this one. Okay. And it's going to make me sound contradictory. Trey Lance. I love it. He he is, and he's the big change. Now, I don't see into the future. He could flop. But from everything I know about him and from what you've reported, Iggy, this is a, has the potential, this young man, to be a monster talent yes. and to be a monster, monster upgrade over Jimmy. Yes. Um, and if that's the case, they haven't had anybody like that since Steve Young. Correct. Well, so I'm thinking if he turns out to be what they hope him to be. Right. Well, I, I've said it's a seven win team. But if he turns out to be what they hope him to be, this could be a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. Agree. I'm going to go with something else, though. I'm going to go with the defense, because even though when we talk about the Niners, when national pundits talk about the Niners, it's usually about the offense because Kyle Shanahan's the star of the team and Trey Lance is also the star of the team. Every year, the defense is better than the offense. And this year, the offense was totally the offensive coaching staff was totally revamped. There's all new coaches. There's a new quarterback. There's questions in the offensive line. I think it's another year where the offense will be kind of figuring it out as the as the season goes along, and the defense is going to be winning games for them. So while they're figuring out on offense, the defense is going to be playing just elite football and winning. And that they've been doing that for years. So that's always a nice little safety net to have because if Trey Lance is struggling early on or improving and their defense was terrible and they were losing, there'd be a lot more pressure than if he was uh, struggling and winning. And I think that's going to be the situation there. I like it. There's yeah. a cliche. Uh, you entertain with offense and you win with defense. Yeah. And essentially that's what you're saying. Right. And to Kyle Shanahan's credit, he's the GM of this team essentially. And he decides which positions they prioritize. And he's been steadfast. It's D line. I just want to have the best defensive line. I'll figure out everything else after that. And it's like, he's, he thinks of himself as a great offensive coach, he can scheme up what he needs to scheme up. Give me a great left tackle. I'll figure out the rest on defense. I, I just want to load up my team with as much defense as possible. Seems to be working. It, it is. You know, he's emphasized the defensive line, but he's also got in line with us thinking about the secondary. Yeah. He, to me, it's like a philosophy. Come aboard. Yeah, I think it's like a philosophy he inherited from his dad, and it's a little old school. Yeah, especially what the league's become. I mean, if I were thinking about how to put together a defense, I would be looking at Bill Belichick. What do you do? And he in in invests in, in secondary. He traded Richard, C Richard Seymour. Remember? And Richard Seymour came over to the Raiders. And frankly, oh, I don't think he was necessarily a good influence on the Raiders. And he wasn't that great on the Raiders. He, uh, Belichick also traded Chandler Jones, who's been elite for years on Arizona. And Belichick's attitude is those defensive linemen are too expensive. I can get similar production. As a, you can you can platoon people on the defensive line, run stoppers, pass rushers. In the secondary, those guys play 100 percent of the snaps. Yeah, they better be good. Yeah, and anyway. like it. Okay, Wolf Life Wild says, "Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like with Trey and everything you've becoming a fan again, Grant. Best to you both. Quality control. Uh, I'm definitely not a fan, but I do want to say that I grew up a fan of the Niners and Steve Young, and the fact that Lance reminds me of Steve Young is a hoot. I'll put it that way." It's yeah. I would like to add to that. I think what we're talking about today is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. We're enthusiastic about 
Lance, from the point of view of how does this drama play out? Right. Um, what is it like to cover this young man? That's different from rooting. Yes. Uh, rooting is, um, it's wonderful for fans to do, but in many ways it's to ignore reality. Right. It's to say, you know, Jimmy's really good. He, 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 he's gonna, if you keep me, he'll win a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. And we're not like that. We don't root. We, we are not emotionally involved, but we are enthusiastic about the drama we cover. Exactly. We see ourselves as drama critics. Yeah. And so we're watching a game like a drama critic would watch a play thinking, oh, that was a really nice choice by the director. That was yes. a really nice little uh, touch by the actor. Not like, boy, I hope the protagonist gets the girl at the end. You know what I mean? Boy, I hope things work out. There's a happy ending. And that's kind of how fans interact with sports. Like, this is real, and I hope everything works out, and I want to clap at the end. We're like, you know, tragedy, comedy, either way. Like, it doesn't work. Does it work? Is it effective? That's how we look at it. And it most effective? people don't. You know, yeah. Hamlet's a pretty good play, and it's a tragedy. Yeah. yeah. He dies at the end. Very, very upsetting. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. Hamlet right. dies at the end. Okay, so here's one. I was I was out of town all weekend in, in Colorado. During that time, a lot of Niner fans got upset because an article on Pro Football Focus ranked the best offensive play callers in the NFL and had Shanahan at four, which Ooh. was too low for a lot of Niner fans and analysts. And he was ranked below Andy Reid, Kellen Moore of of the Cowboys and Byron Leftwich of the Bucks. He was ranked ahead of Sean McVay. Um, let's do our rankings. Okay. Um, before we do our ranking, could I ask a question about some of those rankings? Yeah. That, and this was pro football focus? Yeah. Okay. First of all, look, I don't know much about Leftwich, but was he calling the plays? It's a good question. Uh, look, also, I mean, he so he's working with Tom Brady, who has a big influence, plus Bruce Arians was there. Also, Kellen Moore in Dallas, he's working under Mike McCarthy, who's been an offensive coordinator for decades. So you, yeah. you never really know what the division of labor is. So I, I don't like or that just, right away. I mean, yeah. the, the, it's it's sort of we know that Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. We knew right. that Bill Walsh or Mariucci called the plays. Right. But the, I don't know anything about pro football focus, but it seems they've gone into, into waters that are murky. I agree. No okay. question. And also with Dallas as well, again, Kellen Moore is working with Mike McCarthy. How, who knows who's doing the bulk of the game planning or if they're splitting it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So can we both agree that the best play caller in the league is Andy Reid? Uh, yeah. Even if he's even if he so-called uh, even if he supposedly delegates some of it these days, I mean he's been doing it for twenty-five years. He's gone to so many NFC Championship games with multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, he's he's won a Super Bowl. Yes, Andy Reid's number one. And I would add one other thing: he's really the only one in the league who still does the West Coast offense. Yes, in the sense, in the sense of he's a pass-first guy, but. His whole thing is a pass is as good as a run. And it's a lot of screens, it's a lot of screens. I mean, probably the most creative and diverse set of screens in the league. And I think Bill would be proud of that. Love it. Because yeah. Bill said um, his short passing was an extended handoff. That was his phrase, an extended handoff. Reed has the best extended handoffs in the league. And what Reed has done is pretty much adapt the West Coast offense to the modern structure of offense, which is the shotgun. It's right. You know, you often pass protection is terrible. You got to get the, the ball out quick. This is what the kids do in 
in college, he adapted. Bill would have adapted. Of course he would have. And, would have and, and Reed is in the Holmgren uh, tree, right? Yes. So yes. He, he he got it from, from Bill. Bill now, Andy Reid has lost some Super Bowls, and he's flopped. And he's lost a lot of Super Bowls. He won one. And I, that's important. I'm just saying. He won one. Um, he won a Super Bowl. There are, there are uh, coaches very close to home who haven't. Right. So I, we got to, that's important because we're talking a lot about legacy right now with basketball and Steph Curry. It's there's a lot of legacy conversation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, winning matters. It matters yeah. in basketball. It matters in football. Right. The, the blot on Reed is that he hasn't won more often and he should have. Yes. Uh, so still, I'm calling him the number one play caller. Who's yep. your number two? <laughs> I'm going to go with Sean McVay, the guy who just won the Super Bowl this year. I know he lost the Super Bowl. He's like 36, and he won a Super Bowl. He might have been one of the youngest guys to do it. He's a lot like – I mean, he bar- he inherited a lot of his scheme from the Shanahan's, but I think he's uh, a better big-game play caller. I think when the pressure's on – he sticks to what he does well. I think he's learned from his mistakes better than the Shanahan's have. And he's a, he's a champion at a very young age. He's a very good choice. Um, and he, ju- he just won a Super Bowl. He would be number three for me. Okay. Who's your number two? McDaniel. Oh, he was number three for me. Okay. Let's so, talk about it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. we have the same names, but in a different order. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a winner yes. uh, as a play caller. And Iggy, you're going to, you know, I don't remember these things. You're going to have to remind me what Super Bowl it was. They were playing New England. Rams. Playing, huh? The Rams. It was the Rams. And nothing was working. Right. He called his offense to the sideline. In the fourth quarter. Said, In the fourth quarter, sweetie? Yep. Sweetie. I'm sorry, guys. I called him it was sweetie. legendary. Oh, it's okay. You can call me sweetie. Okay, sweetie. So it's legendary. And he said, yep. I'm paraphrasing. You know, obviously, why don't you say what he said? Well, I mean, usually you game plan for stuff and then you call it that 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 week. What they game plan for didn't work. And he said, look, guys, I want to call something we haven't run in months. Do you remember it? And they did. It's a veteran team. He, he, they're really well coached. He went to a, 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 a personnel package and a formation they hadn't used in months. It was basically two tight ends, two running backs, one wide receiver, but totally spread out. So it looks like five wide receivers. But what you're trying to do is get their base defense, all the linebackers and defensive ends and a lot of DBs off the field and uh, just isolate Julian Edelman against bigger players, linebackers. And it worked. And it led to the touchdown that won the game. So I, I don't, you could compare Kyle Shanahan to Josh McDaniels in terms of their, their like what they've done in the regular season at the crisis moment. McDaniels has come through multiple times, whereas Kyle has fallen short three times. I want to come back to McDaniel. Uh, I, I, the way I heard that story before he introduced that package, he said, look, nothing's working. It's nothing's not working. working. We have yeah. to change everything yeah. right now. That took such courage. Yes. It took such courage. Um, McVeigh, when he lost the Super Bowl, couldn't do it. That's right. Three points. Uh, no. But this guy, it, he, so he, had, he made himself vulnerable. That's it's true. What I called isn't working. Let's do this. That's great. Because you know what most coaches do? Most coaches do. You guys got to execute. Yeah. The plan works. They didn't execute. No, the plan isn't working. I need a new plan right now, and I got to do it on the sideline. He did it under the most pressure you could imagine. And other people have it. Iggy, what he was saying was, 
my plan isn't working. I fucked up. Me, it's up to me. So I make him a number two, and I, you know what? I agree with um, Sean McVeigh for number three. Very close with Shanahan, and I bring Shanahan at four. How about you? Well, I mean, the fact that hold on, the fact that McDaniel's beat McVeigh head to head in the Super Bowl is pretty good for your argument. So I don't know. Maybe McDaniel's is number two. Now, the only thing you would say with him is he had Brady for a long time. So let's see him win without Brady. He did very well with Mac Jones last year. Now he's got Derek Carr. We'll see. I mean, he's not done. Sure. Right. It's a continuing story. We're in the middle of of the novel. We're not in the final chapter. To me, those are the top. There would those are that's the top tier of play callers. Sean uh, Payton would have been in there as well, but he's retired for now. Now I think Kyle would be in the next tier, along with some other guys. But I think Kyle. I mean he's he's been a runner up a lot. I mean he's gotten to second and third place a lot. He's had some very good seasons. Um, but the, I, I, I kind of put him in the same category as the guy with the Bengals. I mean that guy with the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year and lost. Just like Kyle did in his third year. I think they're kind of similar. Okay. This is my reading on Kyle. Mm-hmm. I do not consider him a great play caller. Mm-hmm. I consider him a great play designer. Mm-hmm. And I think those are two different issues. Um, I think his game plan is fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I have seen him in games go on a roll mm-hmm. where you can't stop what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But – we, you use the phrase crisis moment. And when yeah. we'd be in a press box, we would say, dad, is this the crisis moment? I feel he's not particularly good at the crisis moment. Bill was, just a minute, guy. Bill was, Bill excelled at the crisis moment. He lived for it. I don't know about uh, Kyle. And so great play caller comes beyond himself in the crisis moment. What do you want to say? You're, you're salivating over there. Well, you're being very nice. You know what, what you just said about Kyle in a, in a very nice choker. way. Choker. He's a choker. Choker. And that's fair because people say it about Jimmy. Jimmy chokes. Mike McGlinchey in the crisis moment in the game is going to get beat. People say that about him. What about Kyle? And how is that not factored into the equation? When he's at the very end of a great season, he forgets. It's, here's, here's how I put it. Most coaches, when they get to the crisis moment where they're up in the fourth quarter with the season on the line, they're going to say, I'm going to go to my best, my, you know, my bread and butter, my, my best package, you know, it's coming, but if I'm going to win or lose this season, it's going to come down to this or this player. And I'm not, and if you beat me, I'm going to tip my hat. Um, Kyle's different. He's like, Oh, okay. So we got 10 minutes left. We're up 10. You think I'm going to Debo? You think I'm going to run the ball? I'm going to throw to Jawan Jennings. Cause you don't see it coming. And it's like, Whoa, he's not ready for the moment. Debo is going to be the guy that takes you across the finish line. What's up? And he does it consistently. I know. So if you uh, choker is a very strong word, but we have seen him choke. And Three that's like, that's my problem with him. I put him number four uh, and you, you might put him four five, six, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I put him four. I put him four. I mean, I don't see how you could put uh, Matt LaFleur ahead of him. I mean, what has Matt LaFleur ever done Yeah, with Aaron Rodgers? Um, I, I'm going to repeat a story that about Lowell and Bill Walsh, yeah. 1992 season at Stanford. We, we, he was very kind to me. He watched, um, they had beaten USC and a week later we sat in a film room and watched the film and he, he explained what he was doing. Uh, we just watched the offense, mm-hmm. not the defense, mm-hmm. what, what he was calling. And 
they were ahead. And at the end, they were just running and running and running. And like a schmuck, I said, Bill, how come you're running so much? And he looked at me and he said, that's football, Lowell. That's yeah. football. We had the lead. I wanted to expire the clock. And I wanted, I didn't want to risk someone getting intercepted. Right. That's football. That's football. And it, with Kyle, he sort of outthinks himself. Yeah. He should hear Bill, who is more brilliant than he is, say, run the goddamn ball at the end because right. that's football. Yeah, I'm not trying. He wasn't trying to trick you. You're you're winning. You're the dominant team. Why are you trying to trick the other team? Yeah. Pour it on. Show your yeah. dominance. I mean, that's what Harbaugh liked to do. And one more thing. Like, a lot of people will defend Kyle and say, well, he hasn't had the quarterbacks that Andy Reid had. Andy Reid's had Patrick Mahomes and Donovan McNabb. McVay's had uh, freaking, you know, Stafford. McDaniels had Brady. Well, I just want to point out that Shanahan had Matt Ryan and still choked. In the same way he always, I mean, he had the biggest choke ever with Matt Ryan, who's a great quarterback, maybe a Hall of Famer, probably a Hall of Famer. So I, he could have John Elway. The question with Kyle still is, are you going to choke with the season on the line? Are you going to be calling plays for your number three receiver and your scat back? Like, what are you doing? Because he does. He does. You know, I got something to say about Donovan McNabb. Go for well, it. You gave him, you know, props just now. I want to tell you what Bill Walsh said to me about Donovan McNabb. He said, I would never want him, Lowell. He's a different quarterback on every throw. Mm -hmm. um, like in pitching, you have to have your release point and all that. Mm -hmm. And he said, he has a different motion on every throw. I can't have a quarterback like that. That's what he thought about Donovan McNabb, a different quarterback on every throw. Wow. 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 Someone sent that to Donovan McNabb. John Mitchell says, at Lowell, thank you for your insight that gives us uh, that you give us, and happy late Father's Day. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Rob Martin says, afternoon, Mr. Cones. How do we feel about O-line's ability to successfully pass protect Trey? Tons of holding penalties from O-line last year during pass attempts. Remember well, I... remember when Young took over and McKittrick went to Walsh and said, my guys don't know where your quarterback is? He was he was pissed. Bob. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. Jimmy gets rid of the ball quickly. Trey like, likes to make a play and offensive linemen have to adjust. Yeah, it's something they're going to have to work out. Because – Probably with Jimmy, they would think one, 1,000, two, 1,000, and the ball's out. Now I'm done. With Trey, it's like it could go four, five, six seconds. Yeah. Now with Steve, Steve had a tendency to want to run if if things weren't good. And what they had to convince him is you're a thrower, not a runner. I know right. that. Right. And Steve, it was Steve who had to adjust, and he did. The thing that I like about Lance is he's very inexperienced, and he doesn't have a lot of years of just running to win games, you can see in practice, he wants to throw the ball. He Good. very rarely scrambles in practice. Kaepernick would scramble all the time in practice, which was kind of silly because like they can't touch you. What's the point? Well, shouldn't you just practice throwing? And NFL, I mean, some of the some of the defensive players would laugh and be like, dude, we're here to see you throw, buddy. Lance doesn't do that. I think he has the right idea, the right mentality. Well, we'll see again. He's played two games. He's a kind of a projection. Lorenzo says, hi, Grant. What if Trey puts 50 points or more in his first three games? What if Trey Lance put? I don't know. It's a great question, Lorenzo. What would you do? What would I do? I would go <laughs> on with my life. <laughs> Me too. What would you do, Lorenzo? I love when people ask what if questions. I don't know what to tell you. That would be amazing. Matthew Sanders says a generous reading of Kyle Shanahan could be that he puts too much faith in players that aren't ready for the spotlight late games. He sees Madden players, not people. Yeah, I mean, you're calling plays for your backups in crunch time. But, that, but does that mean that Kyle's not ready for the moment as well? That's yeah, he's supposed to know his personnel. Supposed to know your personnel. I all I know is when Sean McVay was reached 
reached the crisis moment in the Super Bowl a few months ago. That was a close game. He wasn't calling plays for his third, his number three receiver. He just called a lot of passes for Cooper Cup and kept running the ball no matter what happened, and it worked. I don't know. All right, let's move on. Let's get to the greatest Bay Area athlete ever. This is dedicated to our dear friend and Killian columnist for the SF Chronicle, who recently wrote a very thought-provoking article. She said that Steph Curry is now the greatest Bay Area athlete ever in the most respectful way possible. My dad and I are going to gently disagree, but this is a great conversation, and we want to thank Ann for giving us the opportunity and the idea. Yeah, Annie, it's Lowell talking to you. Um, I read your column with with great enjoyment uh, about Steph. Over, it's essentially overtaking Joe Montana mm-hmm. as the greatest uh, Bay Area athlete ever. And you're going to know this this term I'm using. That column is a talker. It's mm-hmm. a talker, meaning mm-hmm. it le- it, which is what a really good columnist that you are, Annie, wants to do: get people talking. So on Father's Day night. Um, the family got together and Iggy and I were talking about it and said, and I said, it'd be fun to talk about this on our show on Tuesday. Um, I have some different conclusions from you, but it's not to rebut you or to put you down. It's that you got me thinking. Mm-hmm. So thank you. And I'll see you for dinner soon. So here's, let me just preface it this way, Iggy. Um, Annie made two points. One, who is the most impactful and popular athlete in Bay Area history? And she, she said, probably Steph. And I would, I would, I could see that. But she also used the phrase greatest, the greatest, mm-hmm. a lot of times. And to me, a synonym for the greatest is the best. Agreed. And she said, Curry has overtaken Joe Montana as the greatest. So how do you want to go about this? Should we first talk about Curry and Joe or should we talk about other candidates or how would you like to do it? I would like to talk about other candidates. The, the Curry versus Montana debate is very intriguing and there is a very good argument, a very good conversation to have there. But I think that's the second part. To okay. me, I don't think either one is the greatest athlete in Barry history. I agree. So it's, it was interesting. She, she put it between these two guys who are in the Mount Rushmore. Maybe they're in the top four. But top two, I wouldn't put either one in. To me, the top two athletes in Bay Area history are Jerry Rice and Willie Mays. I agree. The greatest now, football player of all time and the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Iggy. I agree with those two names, by the way. Yeah. Um, which means that when Joe was on the team with Jerry, he wasn't even the best player. Jerry was. I'm sorry. I okay. Don't, I mean, Joe was great, but Jerry was greater. Who do you put number one, Jerry or Willie? I can't say I didn't see Willie. I didn't see Willie Mays play. I'd have to put Jerry, but I didn't see Willie Mays. You tell me. You you saw him. Yeah, I'd say no question. Willie Mays. Okay. Uh, um, the greatest professional athlete that I, that I believe ever played in the Bay Area is Willie Mays. Now, some people say, well, he was from New York. He spent a lot of time out here. I looked it up. He was here for from 1958 to 1972. <laughs> That's a long time. He was 27 years old and stayed until he was 41. And, and he hit a lot of home runs, and he had to do it in the howling wind yep. of Candlestick Park. And in terms of being a center fielder, I don't think there was anybody like him. You could say maybe Babe Ruth was better, but you're talking about uh, athletes from different eras. Maybe Hank Aaron, he was a great player. But I think it's generally agreed that Willie Mays is the greatest Um also, with him and, and, and Jerry, they both played for – they were both dominant immediately. 
and they played until they were 41, yeah. 42. So yeah. I do it. Willie Mays, this is my order, okay? Willie Mays, um, then after that would be Jerry Rice, then after that would be Joe Montana, then after that would be Steph Curry. That's my order. And yeah. listen, we're talking about slivers of difference, okay? Yes. In terms of greatness, slivers. Yes. Now, what I want to say is the argument, Curry is making this an argument to his credit. He is yeah. putting himself in the conversation. I would put him top four. Everyone's wondering about Barry Bonds. I'm not putting Barry Bonds in here. He cheated. Sorry. He could have been, but he's not. He cheated. Sorry. That's how I feel. Let's talk about what? Well, Barry Bonds can't get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. He was great until he cheated. Okay. Let's talk about Curry versus <laughs> Montana. What's really interesting is Curry's resume is right there. Montana won four rings in nine years. Curry won four and eight. Very similar. And, you know, Montana's final year as the Niners starter, he was 34. Curry's 34. So if they if their careers ended right now, you maybe say, I mean, if Steph's career ended right now, maybe you'd go with Joe. But Steph could keep going. Steph isn't done. Steph might be the kind of guy who plays until he's 41 like Jerry Rice because he can freaking shoot and his game isn't dependent on athleticism at all. Okay. Um, here's what I want to say. It's harder to win in the NFL than the NBA. I think it's harder. Yeah. Um, the NBA, there's five guys on the floor. You can keep them together and have like a core, a team, but in the NFL, you're constantly changing yeah. and guys getting hurt and you have to reload. It's hard. And it's, you have to coordinate 11 guys. It's true. 22. It, well. Defense too. <laughs> well, but I'm talking about the offense because it's Joe. That's true. You have to coordinate 11 guys. Yeah. Um, and I know Bill Walsh had a, a big part in that, but Steve Kerr has a big part in what Curry's doing. Yeah. So I think it's harder. And again, for me, as good as the Warriors are, and they had a, they, you know, the, they're the toast of the town right now, whatever town it is. Um, <sighs> the Niners are always a bigger story. Yeah, it's true. They are. Uh, the Niners are a bigger story than the Warriors. They're, I feel, I've always felt, and this is a prejudice that I have, that the NBA is killing time between football and baseball. It just kill. It's the fill-in sport. And now, of course, it goes on forever. But so I, I think what Joe accomplished is harder and is more. Am I putting down Curry? No. But there's another point. Joe is not the greatest football player who ever lived but he might be the greatest quarterback who ever lived. It is no question in my mind that Stephen Curry is not the greatest basketball player who ever lived. No, we but he might be the, he might be the greatest point guard who ever lived. We'd have to talk about that. Let's right. first do greatest player. Then talk about greatest point guard. Is he the greatest player who ever lived? Not yet. But again, he could play until he's 40 and maybe he'll be the, the all-time leading scorer the way Kareem was, but not yet. Not, not yet. I would say it's probably Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Those two have had, I mean, LeBron, LeBron has had, is going to end up having playing till he's 40 and having better numbers than Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan was extremely dominant from like 23 to 35. Okay. Those two guys. Yeah. So at, at least those two guys. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, I mean, yeah. There are least, others that yeah. play different positions that you'd have to think about. Bill Russell, you'd have to yeah, think Bill about. Russell. Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. you yeah. know, they play different positions, but you'd have to think about. So yeah. uh, I, we, we're here we have, for me, Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player ever. And I got to tell you, Iggy, it's very hard to hit a pitch ball. That's Yeah, hard. it is. I tried. I was not good at it. It was, it was very, very hard. hard. It's the hardest and, thing to do. 
it's it's much harder than shooting a three pointer. I think it's because harder. Than, I didn't play quarterback, but I think it's probably also harder than playing quarterback. Yeah. So okay, um, where are you going with this? I don't know. I think we made. I think we made all the points. Uh, to, uh, to me, I guess it's interesting. No, Kareem we can't talk about best point guard. Well, I just want to say I think there's a lot of in, my, uh, a lot of interesting parallels between Montana and Curry. They both kind of changed the game. Montana yeah. made the the short pass popular. Uh, Steph made the three point shot popular. They're both um, sort of point guards, you know, in a sense. Yes, yes, they both are. They're both not the most physically gifted at their position ever, but they were magical. Yes, yes, very similar. Anyway, uh, I, one difference is maybe personality. Joe is shy. Yeah. And he, he can seem standoffish, although I don't know that he is, yeah. but he can seem it. Yeah. And uh, Curry is an extrovert. Yeah. He's And he's charming and he's yeah. available. He doesn't seem to have a superstar ego. And that is something that is really, really endearing about him. Is he, the, is he potentially the best point guard ever? And who's in the running with him? Well, I mean, Magic Johnson was always considered the greatest point guard ever. Curry's tough because he plays both positions. He's so good at shooting, and Draymond Green is so good at passing that there's large parts of the game where Curry's running around and doesn't have the ball. So it's like, what do you call him? I think what people are starting to call him is the greatest offensive player of all time because he's clearly the best shooter of all time, and he's a great passer. It's just that he shares that responsibility with Draymond. I don't know. Um, the two that I would put up against him, and I'm not saying they're better. You, Magic Johnson was really something, although he was not a scorer like right. – you know, I don't even think he had a jump shot, really. No, no. Yeah. So, and he played on great teams. I think the I think the Lakers won like forty seven games a season before he was there. Yeah, yeah. So the other and and this some people watching wouldn't even know Oscar Robertson. He you know he has a higher uh, scoring average than Curry, and he didn't play with the three point shot. Maybe mm. he did at the end. I don't know, but basically with the and he's about a point higher. Um, and a bigger, tougher, better defender. I think Magic was a better um, – you know, Mark Jackson said the other day that Curry has improved on defense, and he said he's not a lockdown defender. That was his phrase, but he's a good defender. I have a feeling Magic and Oscar Robertson were lockdown defenders. And you know what? Magic not, was not. Magic was not. Magic was not. He never made not. an all-defensive team. He never did. He never did. Interesting. Interesting, right? Jordan was. Jordan was. Yes. Yeah. But Magic was not. Absolutely not. Interesting. Thank you. So in any event, I'm not saying that those guys were better than Curry. As it, uh, And if if he goes on and has more wonderful years, sure, call him the greatest point guard ever. I, I'm not fighting about that. I just wanted to understand the context. And I guess well, John Stockton, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to point out, like, a lot of times a point guard, to really see how great they are, you got to give them a center or someone that they can dump the ball to down low for easy assists. Like, Magic Johnson had Kareem. They kind of went together. John Stockton had Carl Malone. Now, Steph had Draymond, who doesn't score Good at point. all. You know, he had Andrew Bogut, who doesn't score. What if he had Shaq or Amari Stoudemire or, or Kevin Garnett or Tim Duncan? He might have had a lot more assists, but he was passing it to Clay. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. I think we have one more topic. We do. All right, this is – I have a question. When the 49ers win their next Super Bowl, and it's probably going to happen any year now, where are they going to have the parade? Okay. I'll tell you where they're not going to have the parade. Where? 
uh, wherever Santa Clara is, I mean, do they have a downtown in Santa Clara? Uh, they, I don't know about that. There's there, over by the, the um, stadium, there's a noodle shop. You know, you know what I mean? Over the little bridge, there's that noodle shop. and They could do one all throughout Great America. You could start in the front and go to the back and come around, and they could end up like in front of Drop Zone. Right. And or they could all do the Drop Zone. They could do the Drop Zone together. I think that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I have a feeling they're not going to have it in Santa Clara. Yeah. God love them. Right. So where do you think they're going to have it? I just, of course, they're going to do it in markets. It just made me laugh. Like they made a big deal of moving to Santa Clara, but they pretend like they're still in San Francisco. And if they ever, when they had the uh, the Super Bowl here, they weren't in it. They pretended like it was in San Francisco. And all these people from across the country are like, why do we have to go 45 minutes? If they win a Super Bowl, they're going to be right on Market Street like they never left. And it's going to make me want to puke. Not that they won the Super Bowl, but just that they pretend like they're, like Santa Clara is somehow a district inside of San Francisco. <laughs> Okay, I totally agree with you. Here's yeah. the deal. Jed York's going to get on the phone with whoever the mayor is, London Breed or whoever, and say, hey, you know, we won the Super Bowl, so we want to march down, uh, you know, Market Street and go up, then we'll go up Van Ness and all this. If yeah. I were the mayor, you know what I'd say? No. Yeah. No. no. Working you out with Santa You know what? Go down to Great America. Yeah. Sorry. Would you do that? Would you? Yes, I would. No, dude, sorry, you left. If you want to have a parade here, you got to play here. Like the Warriors didn't do a parade on Market Street when they played in in Oakland. Right. I mean, the, the Niners might as well do a parade in Oakland if they're going to do it in Market Street. They're just as connected to Oakland as they are to San Francisco at this point. Also, I have a really good idea if right. the, when they win the Super Bowl, because if they want to really be expansive and spread out, they could start in Santa Clara, and then go to San Jose. You know, San Jose is a much larger population than San Francisco. It's an up-and-coming town. Um, so I think they could really do the topper offer by going downtown San Jose, and I'm sure San Jose would love it. But if I were the mayor, I would say, kiss my ass. Okay, here's You're the not coming to San Francisco. I got a question. Do you think that Jed York will ever – swallow his pride and raise enough money in his lifetime to move the Niners back to San Francisco? Or will that be something that his heir does in 50 years? Heir. Ooh. So the Niners are going to have to be down there that long, huh? They're going to have to survive the entire Jed York. Wow. Okay. Well, sorry. You're right though. He thinks it's a great move, right? It, it would repudiate everything he is. Right. You're right. 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 Now I would add he doesn't get along with certain political factions in Santa Clara. So that's the wild card. When That's real life that we're not talking about. He may feel that they're so inhospitable to him. Now, I don't know what their arrangement is, their lease, all of that stuff. But he may feel they've been so inhospitable that he needs to go back to the team's roots. <laughs> it's because it's not, it's not like the two sides have been working to try to build, like mend the relationship. It always gets worse right it seems like it yes there's there's a lot of finger pointing on both sides and, and lawsuits right and him trying to sort of like empower new political politicians and all that kind yeah. of stuff so yeah if that ever fails he might decide now's the right time to reconnect but the problem is he should be in that south of market area where the warriors are and the niners are um excuse me the giants and that's gone so we're gonna go like back to candlestick no, they've already, they've already built uh, condos and homes and all that stuff there. 
Maybe they'll build up Kizar again. They could build up Kizar. You know, it's interesting, Iggy. Um, the Warriors got a beautiful place there pretty quick. Yep. And the, this bunch couldn't get a place in San Francisco. I, I don't know. I don't understand it, but but Joe Lacob did. I think I think the Niners felt that I think they were having trouble getting tailgating and parking. And they decided to be better to be in Great America's parking lot so people could tailgate than to be in San Francisco. That's gotta be one of the all-time worst decisions ever. I think so. Oh, no tailgating? Deal breaker. Like people, it's San Francisco. If ever if it's if there's a downtown stadium, people can tailgate. People can go to bars and stuff. I mean, that's what they do when we go around the country. There isn't necessarily tailgating places. There's a city, a downtown that people Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. It's, we, we always walked from the hotel to the stadium, and people were in Pioneer Square. Uh, they were having a great time. And the baseball park is over there, too. Seattle could do it. About New Orleans. They're not worried about – I mean – you 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 tail you tailgate in the French Quarter. You find a corner and tailgate. What's the problem? You don't need a. They wanted a high rise parking lot so people could tailgate. Like that sounds like a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they. Okay, enough uh, dumping on Jed because um, he hasn't done anything bad to me in a long time, and I haven't done anything bad to him. So what I want to say, hey Jed, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Jed. It was my fault. I egged my dad on. It wasn't even his idea to have that conversation. Well, I kind of liked it, but uh, I wanted to say sincerely, happy Father's Day. Sincerely, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, my dad and I are having dinner tonight as an extended Father's Day. Thank you, Iggy. Uh, yeah. This is a great show. Are, are we done? I think we're done. I love you. I love you too, Dad. I'll call you right now. Okay. Bye, Thanks for everyone. watching, everyone.